Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. So cute. I love it. Hey, welcome to ACF Church. If you're new, we're just glad that you're spending uh, this morning with us. And we want to welcome everybody who's with us online as well. Can we give them a hand for joining us this morning? If you didn't know this, we are streaming Facebook Live, and it's people from all over the country, all over the world that have been part of ACF or are tuning in. And so if you're tuning in from a distance, we love you. You're part of our family as well. We're glad that you're with us. So uh, we are starting a brand new series of talks today called Free Money. And uh, we're not giving away free money, although, you know, that'd be a great way to get people to go to church. But uh, we're actually talking about what it means to be faithful and free in our finances. And so uh, excited about that talk today. Big week for our family. My little boy Grayson, he's six. And this week he prayed to make Jesus the Lord of his life. So, yeah, come on. That's exciting. I love it. So for me as a dad, this is just a massive um, decision that he made on his own. Uh, it was really his choice. In fact, there have been other opportunities, and he's like, no thanks, you know, which I appreciate. You know, he's just kind of working through things and, and just got to the point where he was ready to, to follow Jesus. And so it's a, it's a huge deal. And I just want to thank you. If, you're, if you've been serving in Illuminate Kids and helping kids hear about Jesus, I just want to thank you for being part of Grayson's story. Can we just thank those who are serving in Illuminate today? Yeah. And, I, and let me just throw this out there too. Uh, there's a lot of transition happening uh, in, in our church and in the community this season. Uh, we're we're going to begin doing Illuminate out in the parking lot here pretty soon uh, as we break ground on our facility. So more stuff to come on that. You'll hear some more about that in some emails this week. But if you have a heart for kids and uh, maybe you, you can commit to once a month or so coming in and spending some time helping our kids experience Jesus, I would encourage you, just write on one of those cards before you leave today, uh, Illuminate, and drop it in one of the boxes by the doors. And we'd love to get a hold of you, get you some more information about that. So uh, 
Uh, he's also finishing up kindergarten, which has been awesome. You know, they, they come a long ways the first year uh, in school from not being able to read to being able to read. And, and he was really nervous at the beginning of the year. I remember going in for our parent-teacher conferences and sitting down with the teacher. And uh, the teacher gave us this little piece of paper that described the year and talked about expectations out of parents and out of the students. And it was really interesting. There's a paragraph at the bottom. This was so funny. And uh, it, it said, and parents, here's my request from you. If you would believe only 50% of what your child says about me, I will believe only 50% of what your child says about you, right? Which, as a parent, we know that. We get that there's going to be some loss in translation for a six-year-old uh, between what happens there and what happens at home. And, and I really appreciated that. That's wisdom from a teacher. But uh, for, for me today, here's what I want to ask of you, uh, is that you would give me the benefit of the doubt. That's really what that statement is. Would you give me the benefit of the doubt, and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt? This morning, as we launch into a conversation about money, I just want to start off by acknowledging some awkwardness in the room. Some of you probably brought some friends for the first time today, and uh, they're trying to get out of here. You're like, I picked the wrong week to go to church. Uh, he's going to talk about money. Uh, some of you have some deep wounds when it comes to your finances, uh, maybe wounds in the church. You've seen somebody abuse money or misuse money in, in the church. Or maybe you went to a church at one point and it felt like every week they just wanted your money, right? And so you, you come to this conversation with different kinds of apprehension. And I just want to acknowledge that and ask that you'd give me the benefit of the doubt as a starter. And then maybe more importantly, definitely more importantly, as we go to the scriptures, that you would give God the benefit of the doubt. And so no matter where you come from at this topic, whether you're uh, churched or unchurched or de-churched, that you would hear this conversation for what it is and be able to kind of step back from some of maybe your history in this and really hear that God is a loving father. And like any loving father, he wants what's best for his children. And so in this conversation, this is not so much about getting something from you as it is giving something to you. It is going to be something for you, and I believe that if you're ready to hear it, that you'll be changed by it. And so, uh, you ready for it? Okay, six of you. Sweet. That's awesome. Really excited. Uh, everybody online is really ready, though. They're, they're great. So, um, so I, uh, before we moved up to Alaska, my wife and I, we came up from Grand Junction, Colorado. Lived there for about six years. And before we got married, I moved there early and started preparing this home that we were going to live in. And it wasn't my home, it was a rental from some people in our church, and uh, they gave us a great deal. They were like, hey, if you do some remodeling, some work on the house, we'll give you a screaming deal on rent. And so I did a bunch of work to the place, and, and I remember thinking, like, I wish this was my house. Like, I wish I could own this house and have it as our own. And so then we, we move in, we're married, and we're living life, trying to figure out how to do all the bills, um, how to manage this home and manage our lives together. And, and then one month, uh, we're sitting down, going through all the bills, and we come to our water bill. And we open it up, and the water bill for this month was $1,500. Which, if you're a homeowner, you know, like, that's not right. But we're new to this, so I'm like, Amanda, you got to stop taking showers. I don't know what's going on. We cannot afford $1,500 in a water bill. And, and then some of our friends were like, you should get that checked on. Like, there's something wrong with a bill that, that, that's that much. And so we called the water company, and they said, well, we'll come out and check it out. And, and on a Saturday, we start seeing guys show up out front of our house and trucks pull in. And by noon, they've got a backhoe out there and like 20 guys working on the front of our house. And we're like, what? They're excavating our yard and digging everything out. Well, it turns out that the line between the water main and the house had broken. 
but there was enough pressure kind of getting through that it kept our house fed. And over the past month, something like 100,000 gallons of water had been pumping underneath our house. We had like a river flowing into the Colorado River from underneath our house. It was like an underground aquifer that we had built through this, this water break. And so, um, so we're thinking, who pays for all of this? Luckily, they, they actually wrote it off and took care of it because they could see our eyes glazing over like, we can't afford that kind of bill. But it was the moment that I realized that home ownership comes with responsibility, doesn't it? And, and it's something that we wanted. We want a home. We want to own our own place. But at the same time, there's a lot of weight when you own a home. And so what I want to talk about today is that we have a lot at our fingertips, don't we? we God has given us resources, and he's, he's constantly handing us things. And we actually, maybe more than we realize, have resources at our fingertips, uh, we have influence. I don't know if you knew this, but you are an influencer, for better or for worse, to your classmates, to your coworkers, uh, to your kids, to your family members. You are actually able to influence them. That's a, that's a great deal of power and opportunity. We have influence. We have words. You have an ability to speak, and through those words, you can either build somebody up or break them down, Right? At some point in your life, somebody said one thing to you that changed your life for the better. And at some point in your life, somebody's probably said one thing to you that changed your life for the worse. So words are powerful. It's a powerful resource. We have service, the ability to do the things that we do. We can serve people. We can meet needs. That's a great deal of influence that we have in that. We have time, right? You might think, no, I don't have any time. No, you have 24 hours in a day. Now, how you choose to use it, that's up to you. But we all have been given a certain number of of years, a certain number of days, hours, minutes, seconds on this earth. And we will choose to do what we will with those things. Talents. How about in this room we have all kinds of talents? We have people who are artists and people who are musicians, uh, people who are engineers and can build stuff, and uh, people who are great with kids. All kinds of amazing talents in this room. And so what we want to start off with is that God gave us all of these things, and he gave, us, gave them to us to be utilized for the kingdom of God. And so when I say that about these things, most of you are like, that's cool. I like this. This is a good sermon so far. I can deal with this, write some notes down, go home. We're all happy. But God also gave us something else. He gave us our treasure, our treasure. Now, this is where it gets awkward, right? This is where we get uncomfortable Uh, This is where we maybe start tuning out, and and I just want us to deal with the discomfort for a moment and go, why is it this way? Like, why is this such an uncomfortable thing to talk about? Why why do people tend to get really uncomfortable when when we bring up the idea of our treasure or our money? And then also, why are almost half of Jesus's parables about money? I mean, did you know that? Did you know that Jesus talks about money more than sex, more than heaven, and more than hell? So clearly, Jesus seems to think this is an important thing to talk about. Yet, it's funny, I never get requests to talk more about money, right? Nobody ever writes in, could you preach a little bit more about my finances, please? Um, Maybe today, you'll do it, because that'd be great. Um, But I never get that request, because it's just there's something going on with money. I think Jesus understood that money has our heart, does it not? That our hearts are tied up in our finances, that we have a lot that we get from money, a lot of security that we get from money, a lot of uh, what we feel like um, kind of drives our life is coming from money. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 6 if you have a Bible. Um, if you don't, you can download the ACF Church app and follow along with us there as well. 
Uh, Matthew is one of four Gospels, which are just biographies of the life of Jesus. And we're going to go to this one moment where Jesus is speaking to these religious leaders um, who really had a love of money. And and they had this, this pattern of storing up money on earth of like stockpiling it, which I don't know what your family was like, but um, there's a a tendency, I think, to stockpile money. And maybe you've seen that over the years in your family. Maybe you yourself are somebody who stockpiles things. You know, maybe you are like the the person on hoarders and nobody can walk into your garage, right? Because it's just stacked up with things. And one day you're going to need that one box. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that as well. I, I hold on to things. I have a hard time letting go. And these religious leaders were, were not only doing that, but they were also using money as a means to kind of shame people. And they, they felt like, hey, because I have money, God is blessing me. Because you don't, that means that you have some kind of sin in your life and you're not as righteous as I am. And this is the way that money was perceived by these relig- religious leaders. And so Jesus has a message for them. And here it is. Verse 19, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's the key verse. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So really well-known verse. If you've been in the church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this before, but this is, there's some key points in here that I'd never seen before until I was studying it this week. The first thing is that he says, stop storing up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, we have to stop doing something that isn't healthy to do things that are healthy. You're not going to be able to take a step forward in this area of your life without stopping something. So he's like, like, hey, I, I understand you guys are storing up treasure on earth. I want you to stop doing that. Now, when he speaks about treasure, here's what he means. He means anything that we consider to be valuable. Things that have our hearts, things that have our attention, things that have our passion. And this can be a lot of different things. This could be influence or friendships or, you know, the next rank or the next talent that you're learning, whatever it can be. But, it, but specifically, Jesus is speaking about money in this situation because money, once again, has our heart. Now, Jesus always wants to get to the heart, and when, when I say that money has your heart, what I mean, once again, is the concern or the interest that you have in those things. And he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And I want to pause here and say that this is not an assault on the things that you have. It's not an assault on riches. In fact, what we see in the scriptures are righteous rich and righteous poor. And we see people who are unrighteous rich and who are unrighteous poor. So it turns out that we can be righteous or unrighteous whether we have a lot of money or a little money. Am I right? So that's not the thing. What's going on here is that Jesus wants to deal with our relationship with money. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but we have a certain relationship with our finances. And you can kind of see it maybe, maybe in your life, I see it in mine, that when the bank account is a little higher, I'm like a little happier of a person. You know, if I check it in the morning, you know, when the kids are kind of being crazy, I'm a little more gracious. I'm kind of skipping my step at work, you know, it's a gloomy day, but my bank account's high, right? I'm feeling good today. And then maybe at the end of the month, you see it kind of dwindling down, a little more space in there, and you start getting a little grumpier with your family, and and before you know it, you're kind of struggling with life and struggling with a lot of different areas. And I think what it does, it starts to identify the relationship that we have with our finances and the power that it has over us. So do not store up treasure 
on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Now, verse 20 is an interesting one. If you've grown up in the church, you've maybe heard this used against you before. Like, like let's say I needed all of you to stack chairs after service. I'd be like, hey, stack chairs. We're not going to pay you, but treasure in heaven, right? Treasure in heaven. It's a great way of getting Christians to do things that nobody else wants to do. Hey, just store up treasures in heaven. It's going to be great. So do the thing that nobody wants to volunteer for. But it's interesting. That's really not what this passage is about. He's not specifically speaking about something that's to come in eternity. I think that's how we think about it. Jesus is like, oh yeah, don't store up treasure on earth where moths and and rust and rats can eat it and destroy it, but store up treasure in heaven and, you know, one day you're going to see the fruit of all of your investment, you know, after you die, right? But really when you study this passage, here's what's so interesting. This word heaven could also be translated as God. So don't store up treasures here on earth, but store up treasures in God. So here's what we know about God, is that God, sure, he exists in heaven, but he also exists right here and right now. God's at work all around us, whether we know it or not. He's at work in your workplaces, and in your community, in your, in your families. He's all around us. And so this is not so much an admonition to, to plan for just one day after you die that you're going to get like another you know, uh, jewel in your crown or something like that. This is also for you right here and right now to invest in the kingdom where you are. That's what he's encouraging. Don't just, don't just invest in treasure here on earth, but invest in the kingdom of God right here where you live. The big truth is simply this. Jesus wants our heart to be investing in things that last. Once again, he's a loving father. Give him the benefit of the doubt that this isn't because God needs your money. Because we know that God has all things. He doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. But you can write this down if you're writing notes. Your heart follows your treasure. Your heart follows your treasure. This next part of the passage is, the order is really interesting. In verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, that's an interesting statement. Um, the order of that, he says, hey, think about what your treasure is. Just get it in your mind right now. What are the things that you treasure? He says, right there, that's where your heart is. Think about the things that you put your your money in. Think about the things that you invest in. He's saying, right now, that's where your heart is. Now, when I I read this, I think, no, 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 isn't the other way around? Doesn't my treasure follow my heart? Doesn't my money follow my heart? Sort of. Maybe sometimes. But he's saying specifically, hey, wherever your money goes, that's where your heart will follow. This is really important if you care about what your heart is after. If you care about what your heart is after, then you're going to invest in things of the kingdom. That's what he's saying. That's the point he's making. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, Brian, I don't know if that's true because I put my money in things that don't have my heart. Like I bought a Starbucks on the way to church today and like my heart's not in Starbucks. Uh, some of you it is, though. Like, you have an obsession with Alaskans love coffee, right? Your heart might be in coffee. But for some of you, you're like, well, you know, I put four ninety five into this coffee this morning. My heart's not there. But there's something connected to the amount, too, isn't there? Like, the amount that you put into something actually drives the amount of your heart that's connected to it as well, isn't it? So, for instance, I, uh, a couple of years ago, um, had this pickup truck. And I'm a car guy. And so, like, I was always waxing it, keeping it nice and clean, had a beautiful paint job. And then once a year, our family would go dip netting. And I would become a different man. Because if you've ever been dip netting with children, you know sand is everywhere. And they're scratching stuff up, and it's gear in and out of the truck. And I'm just like losing my religion, right, on the beach of the Kenai. 
and screaming at the kids. I'm not enjoying myself. And I'm like, oh. And so a year and a half ago, I sold that truck and I got like an older uh, work truck. It's, it's like one of the ones, the white ones that they use on the slope with the plastic floor that you can rinse out with a hose. And it's got like a dented fender and rust on the, you know, on the rails. And so we go dip netting and I'm a happy man. It's crazy. It's changed our, our whole family camping experience because it doesn't have much money into it. And so it's, it was weird how like when I got rid of the thing that had quite a bit invested in it financially, I kind of changed my whole attitude. Because what Jesus is saying is so true that where your money goes, your heart will follow. So do you want to do you want to control what your heart is after? Control your finances. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? I think it's one word, and it's this word, mine. Mine. Uh, if you're a parent, you heard this 10 times this morning already. Um, for some of you, it was your first word. In fact, for a lot of people, your first word wasn't mommy or cookie or anything. It was mine, you know? It's, it's one of the first things we learn is, is to take ownership of things, is it not? When we have things that we want or things that are in our hands or opportunities, we want to grab them and then hold on tight to them. It's just human nature. And there is a tendency in the human heart to become very attached to our things, to become very attached to our things. I see it in myself. But what would it look like, instead of having a mind perspective of your finances, to be more free with your finances? What would it mean to, instead of being restricted in your finances, to be more open-handed in your finances? And the series we're in is called Free Money. Now, when you think of being free in your finances, maybe you think of paying off debt, you know, uh, you know paying off those old loans, getting the raise, dealing better with the money that you have, and getting some more money, which is good stuff. And we'll talk more about that uh, in the weeks to come. But what I want to speak about specifically in freedom in your finances today is, is in a, the realm of something the scriptures call stewardship. Now, stewardship is a term that isn't used a lot outside of church. Um, I don't know if you used that term at work this week. Go steward your truck well. Like, it's just not really a word we use much, but in the scriptures, it's a very important word to understand. And if you don't know what stewardship is, it's simply this. It's to operate in the best interest of the owner. Stewardship is to operate in the best interest of the owner. You might be thinking, well, I'm the owner, so I'm always doing that. I'm stewarding well. But to be a steward of something, you actually have to relinquish ownership. You either never had it or you got to give it up. That's what it means to be a steward of, of anything on a basic level is to relinquish ownership. Romans 11.33 says this, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. First thing I want to make a point of here today is that God is the sole owner of everything. Whether we know it or not, whether you like it or not, God owns everything. None of us in this room are owners of anything. And this one reality will change the way that we deal with our finances. Now, there's a temptation in the human heart to think, well, my, God might own it, but I'm really making it happen. 
right? Like, um, God didn't wake up at four o'clock to go to work this morning, and, you know, God hasn't put in all those years of education. Like, that was me. Sure, God owns it, you know, per se, but it's really, it's really mine. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17 says, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. I love it when Scripture just knows what we think, doesn't it? Verse 18, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. In other words, just the ability to wake up in the morning is a gift from God. The breath in your lungs is a gift from God. The intellect that you have, that you use every single day to go make the money that you make, comes from God. So here's what's important. So we start off by saying everything is God, God's. He is the sole owner of all things. Our hearts are, are, are trending towards loving money and loving our stuff to give us a sense of security. But, but I want to talk about what God is actually doing when he hands us money, because it may not be what you think he's doing. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So the first thing I think God is doing when he hands us money is that God is testing you. God's testing you. Now, this is important. God, as a loving father, he knows our hearts. Now, he's not testing us so much that he can find out about us because he already knows where we're at with all this. He knows exactly how attached we are to our stuff. But the test is more so for us so that we can understand where we are at when it comes to our finances. Like, like do we trust God or don't we? Do we believe that it's all God's or do we believe that eh, it's kind of mostly mine? God is testing us. And it's important to know that he's not tempting you he, God will never tempt you. God's not trying to tempt you, but he will test you. And, and if you're here today and you're thinking, Brian, I got this on lockdown. I'm good. Like, I have figured this out. I grew up, you know, knowing what to do with, with money. Grew up in the church, and so my parents always taught me about money. If that's you today, then you won't have a problem asking God to test your heart, right? In fact, David, as I read in Psalm 26, he asked for more testing. He says this, in verse 2, prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in your faithfulness. That's a bold prayer. That's a really bold prayer. Like, I am so confident that I'm being faithful to God that I'm like, test me, God. Just throw it at me. Throw it at me. Now, that's my, that's my request of you this week. If, if you're here and you're like, man, I'm good, I'm good, then ask God to test you. Ask God to test you because God will show us the affections of our heart and where they're going. Now, maybe you're here and you're like, well, Brian, I'm good with this because I don't have a dime to my name. In fact, I just eat ramen noodles and sriracha sauce and uh, I bummed a ride to church today and I don't have a car and like, th- that's, that's fine, you know? Um, but I wonder if you would ask yourself these questions. Maybe you have less right now. Ask yourself this question. Is God giving you less to teach you faithfulness with less? And maybe over the years you have grown in your wealth 
And uh, right now you're like, I'm pretty solid, Brian. In fact, we're pretty well set for retirement. And um, I feel like I've planned well over the years. And I feel like my finances are growing and they're multiplying. They're doing well right now. I think you should ask yourself this question. Is God giving you more to teach you faithfulness with more? The operative word in both of these questions is this, faithfulness. Are we just being faithful? Once again, this is not an assault on, on, on what you have. It's not an assault on the car that you drove to church, I drove a car to church, or the house that you live in. But what is your relationship with your money, and are you being faithful with what you have? Because whether it be little or much, Jesus clearly cares about our heart. Remember the story of the widow with the one coin? Now she comes and she gives that coin to Jesus and Jesus looks at all the religious people who gave way more money than she did and he says, she's given more than any of you because she gave everything she had. It's a statement of the heart and her intentions. So Jesus is about our heart. James 1, 2 says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So through the testing of your faith, God is actually training you. God is training you. This is the next thing God is doing when he hands you money, is trying to train you. Maybe your parents did this. They started at a, at a young age giving you a little bit of money. They'd say, okay, here's five bucks. Like, what are you going to do with it? How do you manage it? And, and how do you deal with five dollars? God is doing the same thing with us, whether it be little or much. Now, normally in the scriptures, when it comes to training it's really painful. In fact, this, this passage, count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You typically hear that passage when people are going through a hard time, right? Like, I'm really struggling right now, and I'm dealing with a health issue, or it's really distracting. Anyway, I'm dealing with a health issue or whatever, and so people, people say, hey, here's a great passage, James, James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. But it's interesting in the scriptures that when it comes to money, money is talked about as more of a trial than a blessing. I mean, think about it. When Jesus talks about money, he says, like, hey, it's easier for um, a rich man to go through or, or the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, uh, or the camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus talks about money and finances as more of a trial than anything. And it's, it's, it's interesting. If we viewed money this way, how would it change our prayer life? Maybe you're going to go to small group this week and, and maybe you got a bonus at work and you're going to sit down with everybody in small group and they're going to do prayer requests and you're going to be like, guys, pray for me right now. And they're like, what's going on? And you're like, God just gave me lots of money, right? And then somebody's going to slap you across the face, right? But that's, as you read the scriptures, kind of the way that money is talked about. Like, like hey, it's a challenge. Like, it's a trial and a test when you're given money. For us, we think of money and we're like, oh, God's blessing me. He loves me right now. But the biblical perspective on money is God is testing you and training you, which means it's going to hurt, which means it's going to be a, a challenge. It's interesting. When we pass the test and when we receive the training and work through all of this, it's amazing how much the rest of our life will change. It's amazing. Like, you would be surprised at what somebody who is faithful in their finances will do with the rest of their life for the kingdom of God. Here's what I mean by this. Like, when you deal with this issue, because clearly Jesus talks about it enough that he's saying this is a real problem in the human heart. 
Like we get so attached to our stuff. When you deal with this stuff, you will be surprised at what else will come along. Like this is a mountain to climb. And when you climb to the top of this mountain, other stuff's going to seem a little less of a big deal, right? Like, man, I am being faithful in my finances. I can be faithful with my time. I can be faithful with my talents. I can be faithful with my energy and other resources. It's amazing how this will change the heart of a person. I believe, you guys, I believe it's changed our church. That over the past few years, we've been on a journey as a church to, to grow in this way. It's why we're able to expand our facility. And over the past year, we've seen more people get baptized than ever. More people get saved than ever. More people lean in and join our life groups than ever. We've done more work in our city to serve our community than ever. And I see that, and, and call me crazy, but I wonder if the two are connected. I wonder if even as a church, as we become faithful together in our finances to God, that if we will expand our kingdom influence in the city like never before. I just wonder. So if you're here today and you're like, I want to be part of God's plan for the world. I want to be part of a, a move for God. I wonder for you, how are you doing in this area? Are you being faithful in your finances? Are you passing the test? Are you receiving the training that God is giving you? So I want to challenge you in something here right now. I, I, we're not going to take an offering this morning, in case you were like, he's going to ask for something. That's why he's doing this. So we're not going to take an offering, but I'd like to invite the ushers forward here real quick. Um, and they're going to hand you something. And it's a little card that we had made. I think I got one in my pocket here. And, and it's, a, it's a card that says, Deed of Rights. And it's interesting, just this week, I didn't plan it like this, but my wife and I, we just sold a house. We're moving across town, and um, just this week, we went into the title agency, and we signed lots of papers, and one of those papers was a deed. And in that signature that we both made, in that signature, we actually passed on ownership of our property to somebody else. And so now we can drive by that house, we can see that house. Maybe we'll get invited into that house, but it's not our house anymore. We gave it up. And so what I want you to consider doing today, and just everybody grab one of these, um, is I want you to consider signing this. And on the back, it just says this. I, I want you to sign your name, surrender all rights of my time, talent, and treasure to Jesus Christ as sole owner of everything in my life and hereby declare myself as a steward of all that is to come. And I wonder if you wouldn't consider today filling this out. Just, it's a signature. Grab a pen. It might be in the seat in front of you. Before you leave, just signing this piece of paper. And if you're here today and you're like, well, I don't want to. Well, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to do it. But I wonder for you, is this the test that you needed? Now, it's just a stupid card. It doesn't mean anything. Or it could mean everything for you. And I want you to put it in your wallet I want you to put it in your purse, and I want it to be a reminder. I'm going to do the same thing, a reminder that every time you spend, that you are spending someone else's resource, that we are not owners, but stewards. And by signing this, here, here's what you're not doing. You're not giving over the stuff to God because it's already God's. Like everything you have is already God's. This is just us acknowledging what is already true, that everything is the Lord's. All the earth, every dollar we have, every moment we have, 
Every talent we have is Jesus's. And so by making this commitment, I wonder if it might change the rest of your life. And I wonder this week if you're like, I think I'm good, but I need a test that you might just ask God, test my heart, show me an opportunity to be generous for the sake of the kingdom of God, and God, just see if I won't pour myself out into that. Just give up whatever it takes. It gets uncomfortable, right? And maybe you're like, I don't want to ask for that, which once again, I think we have to deal with the question of why. Why is it so uncomfortable? See, think about how Jesus saw stewardship. Jesus is the embodiment of stewardship. He comes to earth, and he's always giving of himself, isn't he? People are always around him. He's pouring himself into other people. And he is such a steward. He has such a lifestyle of stewardship that even to the point of death, Jesus was willing to give up what could have been his for others. As Jesus dies on a cross for you and for me, to help us to make our relationship right between us and our Father. And Jesus, he's constantly operating like a steward. He says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. Even my life isn't mine. You see, Jesus saw even his breath, his very breath, as a resource to be fully expended for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's stewardship. Maybe you're like, well, I'd rather give my money than die on a cross. Me too, right? I get it. But that's how far Jesus goes to show us what it looks like to to be open-handed with everything, even our lives. And I just wonder for you, as you take a step forward in this, even if you're not ready to do it, if you choose just, I'm I'm just going to be faithful, even though I'm not feeling it today, what else might change in your life? And if you're not ready, I I just want you to consider these words. Um, This is an old hymn, one of my favorites written in 1759. It's a hymn called Come Ye Sinners. That's you and me. It says this, Come ye weary and heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. But if you tarry until you're better, you will never come at all. And these words were on my heart this week because when it comes to my finances, I just will tell you guys, I'm never ready. I always trend towards materialism. And this is just a root that God is still tearing out of my life. But I'm constantly, by God's grace, taking steps forward to choose to be open-handed and generous with what he's given me so that I can grow in every other area of my life, so that God can break the bonds of materialism in my heart and help me see that my investment here in this earth should be in the kingdom of God. I want to invest in things that will last for eternity. That means I'll think about what Jesus wants me to do with my finances. Let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you so much that you love us this way. That you give up everything for us. And Father, we want to acknowledge um, as your people that we know there's a root of materialism inside of us. We know that when we should seek comfort from you, we often seek it from money. When we seek peace, God, we we should seek it from you and we seek it in money. When we want a sense of meaning, we should seek it in you and yet we seek it in money. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to know what to do with what we have. That if we have very little, God, if there's someone here with very little, God, help them to know what it looks like to be faithful with little. God, for those who have much, God, show 
what it would look like to be faithful with much. And God, I pray through all of this that you would rip out these unhealthy parts of our heart. God, these temporary ways of seeing this world and this life and uh, investing in kingdom things. God, help us to see deeper reasons to live and deeper reasons to, to use our finances for. And God, as we worship the next few moments, could you just kind of free us from that? Help us to let go. Help us to receive the gift of grace. Thank you, God, that you love us through it all. Thank you that you give us the grace to make it through this. And even as we're not ready, I mean, even as we're filled with fear, God, that you give us the strength to take steps forward. That's my prayer this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.